welcome. Hello, friend. Are you feeling tired and overwhelmed? Are you feeling like there's got to be more to this life you're living? Do you wish that there was more time and energy for the things you want to do after you get all the things that you have to do done? I'm Deb. I'm married to my high school sweetheart, and together we're raising our two amazing humans while navigating the mountains and valleys of this journey we call life. I'm passionate about getting the things done that I have to as efficiently as possible so that I can spend my most valuable commodity, which is time, on the things that mean the most to me. I would love to bring you on this journey with me as we eliminate busyness, create systems, get productive, and be more present. Let's seek our best together. Welcome back to Seek Your Best. Today, I'm going to be giving advice to the parents of my future grandchildren and anyone else that's working on the parenting gig. Today's topic came to me as I was pondering mom guilt. Why is this a thing? I've said many times over the years that if there's ever a job I wanted to be perfect at, it would be mothering my children. I'm sure I'm not the only one. But we live in an imperfect world, and surprise, we are imperfect people. I have done so many things that I wished I would have done better. I feared I was failing them, not disciplining correctly, not modeling good problem-solving skills, not teaching them enough about loving and following God. I've lost my temper. I've had to leave family gatherings because of poor behavior. The kids, not me. The list goes on and on, but friends, we won't be perfect. We can only pray for guidance, do our best, apologize when we mess up, and make sure love is what shines through. Also, I don't think that mom guilt is just for moms. I think dads have it too. Of course, it would be called dad guilt if we talked about such things. But sometimes dads just aren't allowed to have those feelings, right? I imagine that they have confusion about how to teach and guide and discipline, but not be too harsh, but not too mild. Maybe it's guilt over working long hours and being preoccupied when they get home with work issues, even when they're present with the family. When our son was young, maybe three or four, he was corrected for something or did something wrong. I can't even remember what. And he told us, that's okay, it's your fault. I can only imagine he had done similar things previously and we had told him, that's okay, it's my fault. So there's a fine line to being loving and nurturing without raising a child who feels entitled and thinks they can do no wrong. Well, our kids are now 17 and 18, and we think they're remarkable people with a strong faith and serving hearts, but they'll probably deal with the same guilt and self-doubt as they parent. So my advice to the parents of my unborn grandchildren and anyone else experiencing parental guilt would be as follows. One, pray hard. God can take your best efforts and use them for good. I know it's hard to believe, but he loves your kids even more than you do. Next, trust that when things don't go perfectly, God will use that to develop them into the people he wants them to be. Even the really hard things. He'll probably use those the most. 
One of my most favorite Bible stories is Joseph's stories. Boy, did that guy keep getting beat down. From being sold into slavery by his brothers and being jailed for refusing to commit adultery to God using him to save Egypt and his family from a famine. I've had to place my children in God's hands many times and probably should have a lot more. And that statement sounds totally funny because the thing is, is they have always been his hands. It was just me realizing that I'm not in control. God is. So I just gave God what is already his and trusted him to do what I couldn't. Number three, love your spouse. You have to support each other and be on the same page, at least most of the time. They're in your corner and you need to work as a team. When you two are strong and united, you'll feel better able to handle the pressure of parenting and vice versa. If you're not on the same page, you will feel weak and powerless. Number four, laugh often. Laugh with your kids. Laugh with your spouse. Laugh at yourself. Boy, that's a hard one, but it is good. Laughter really is the best medicine. And it just lightens the heart. Number five, plan things, but be flexible. And I'm speaking to myself here. You know me, I'm a planner. If you don't make a plan, nothing will happen. So you decide what are your hopes and dreams? And what experiences do you want to have with your children while they're still yours, while they're still with you, while they just do what you tell them to do? And then start planning. Don't wait for someday. My children know this. It has been ingrained into them since my first battle with cancer when they were five and seven. Someday is now. Just work within your budget. Anyone who knows me likely knows I plan everything in detail, <laughs> especially vacations. When the kids were four and five, we took them to Disney way back before you could schedule your fast passes. I read books. I wrote out daily schedules. I bought junky toys to entertain them in the lines, took snacks, scheduled our dinners, planned how to get Blake to be selected to do Jedi training, scheduled Morgan to go to the Bibbidi-Bobbidi-Boutique. It was literally planned in our increments. <laughs> I got up at five each morning to organize myself and our day, and there was no sleeping in for anyone. We had to be at the parks upon opening, there was a plan so my kids would have the best experience ever with as little waiting as possible. Yep, you know what they say about plans, right? By day three, we were at the Animal Kingdom. We had a character breakfast, saw Nemo, did a safari ride, saw the Swiss Family Robinson treehouse, and then <laughs> my family revolted. They were done people, we didn't see the Lion King or the fireworks. They were on the schedule, but we left before lunch and went to the pool at our hotel. I had to be flexible. I know some of you might be thinking that I'm the opposite of flexible, but it's who I am. My family is used to it and appreciates it now. In fact, the trips we've taken this summer haven't been planned, and I thought they would appreciate 
the flexibility and a break from my micro planning, but they didn't like getting the boat on the water after lunch and how much of the trip that we missed, and they thought it felt weird. I know because I asked them. So the key is finding the balance and to know your audience and veer when you need to. My motto is over plan before to be able to be in the moment during. It's pretty easy to cut things out of a schedule, but if you haven't researched it well, all of the planning in the moment will eat up a lot of the time if you're trying to find something to do. Planning isn't just for trips. I used to have my kids write lists of what they wanted to do with their summer break the day after school let out, and we would keep these lists out and plan our weeks around them. Go to different parks, sleepovers with cousins, swim, camp, go to Build-A-Bear, go to a special restaurant, whatever was on their list. If you don't make plans, time just slips away, and before you know it, They're driving and working and dating and too busy for you. Although, if you play it right, you might have been so much fun that even when they're teenagers, they still like to hang out with you. I wasn't holding my breath for that, but I have been blessed to experience it. Number six, love your kids in the ways that speak to them. Read the book, The Five Love Languages of Children by Gary Chapman. I'll put a link to purchase it in my show notes. So my son is affectionate. He likes homemade treats and loves to volunteer at church. I love him with hugs and back rubs, making his favorite treats and allowing him to spend countless hours at the church at the expense of getting to see him myself. My daughter likes to do things and play games. So we bond with many petties, home spa nights, lunch dates, floating in the pool, crafts, shopping, and yes, playing games, even though this might be unpopular to say, I don't love playing games. I do like laughing, so I go along with it most of the time, but yeah, I don't love it. I support them deeply in the things they are involved in, sports, career interests, hobbies, The biggest gift you can give your kids is your time and your attention. Lastly, don't beat yourself up too badly when you mess up. And you will. You're not perfect either. Your kids will know your heart is in the right place. And if they're anything like my kids, they will forgive you over and over and over again. Especially when they're little. You are likely one of their most favorite humans. It might be close with grandma and grandpa. Try not to get buried in guilt and regret. The most important phrases in parenting, in my opinion, are I love you, I'm sorry, and you're forgiven. Thank you for joining me today. I hope that um, you found some little nuggets to help you in your parenting journey or your future parenting journey. Now let's go out and seek our best together. One last thing. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave me a review and subscribe to be notified when the next one is released. Also, if something that I talked about resonated with you today, please take a screenshot and post it to your Instagram stories and tag the show. I would really appreciate it so much. Until next week, let's seek our best together. Thanks a lot, Deb.